Welcome to Veza Talks podcast. Uh, today, uh, it's my honor to welcome Jason Todd, who is an award-winning business strategist, a veteran on-demand CTO, CIO, and an advisory board member. Jason has founded, grown, and exited four businesses. He has written over 1 million lines of software code. He managed negotiations with billion-dollar companies, and he developed brand identities for businesses up to $300 million. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Awesome. Wonderful. Um, so uh, I know that you're heavily involved in leadership and, 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 and different companies and whatnot. But before we talk about all those things, uh, tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, your journey your, uh, when you were younger. And how did you get to, uh, you know, get into business? Uh, was it something that, uh, you know, you broke and you said, OK, I don't want to do this anymore, work for other people? Or what was the, that, that thing that kind of got you uh, involved in, 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 in that journey? You know, I think I've always been a misfit. That's okay. the word that comes to mind. And not a misfit in a bad way, but a misfit in I, in the sense that I was doing my own things. When everybody else was out playing uh, baseball in, in the park next door, I was at home programming. And it's not that I didn't enjoy things like baseball, but I would spend hours by myself walking to the local creek, playing with the 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 fish and the and the crayfish and then taking them back to my house and experimenting and i coupled that you know no no uh no fault of my own but uh i i grew up in an entrepreneurial family and so i i think my natural inclination to do my own thing plus uh, from a business standpoint a family culture of entrepreneurship it launched me into this idea that if I'm going to do something professionally, I can just do whatever I want. And so as a young guy, I started off in sales and marketing and then quickly moved into following my passions in technology. Okay. And then that launched into all sorts of technology-related things. And after starting one company, you might as well start a second one. And it's just <laughs> parlayed. Uh, <laughs> it's parlayed from there. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awesome. I mean, I, I know... We're probably similar in age. I, when I first learned BASIC back in the day and, uh, and then Fortran, I don't know if you remember that language. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, sounds like we had some, some, some similar paths uh, and all that. But uh, So tell me about uh, your first exit with your company. What was that like? Um, normally, these type of things, especially the first one, is really stressful. Uh, can you give us a little bit of an idea of what type of company it was, probably tech, and a uh, you know, little bit uh, about that story? Sure. Well, my first real company, I would say, was an e-commerce company. We were the first or maybe the second company on the scene back in 2002 to offer residential and light commercial heating and air conditioning products directly to consumers. Now, it's a pretty close supply chain. Usually, it's a manufacturer selling to a distributor selling to a dealer who's insisting on installing that air conditioner or that furnace into your house. We came as, again, misfits or outsiders to the industry and said, you know what, what if you could purchase these products yourself as a consumer, you could save hundreds or thousands of dollars and do all or part of the installation yourself. So when I finally sold that eight or nine years later, uh, I had a network of about 30,000 contractors who would help you with all or part of the installation. And we were distributing from about seven distribution centers uh, nationally and then did a little bit of work internationally as well. So, and it was stressful. I had a business partner at the time and we were 
you know, butting heads on various things. And <laughs> I didn't know as a young guy, I didn't know how to have conversations that maybe I would have now. Uh, and so I thought I gotta go. Uh, and there was, there are twists and turns in that story and it all worked out fine, but I ended up selling that company and retiring for a little bit. Awesome. And so, you know, I remember back in the day when e-commerce was, you know, in the early 2000s, you know, when people were afraid to put credit cards online and, uh, you know, many conversations I had back in the day is like, who's going to buy anything online, you know, and then it just kind of, you know, filtered through. How do you think e-commerce, and I've been in e-commerce for 20 years now, how do you think e-commerce has changed from back then to now in terms of, let's call it marketing, apart from social media now and everything, like, what do you think? Because I had a conversation yesterday with a young guy. He's from Cuba. And, you know, he was like, oh, I want to sell baby products to uh, Utah. And I'm like, okay, why Utah? Well, that's, you know, uh, GPT just told me that that's where most of the babies are. And I was like, okay, great. So I, it was funny because I didn't know even where to start because there's so many elements to e-commerce, you know, that, you know, it's not like you can just tell somebody, you know, what, what, you know, what to do in a couple of sentences, Right. But what would you say to somebody that, you know, wants to start an e-commerce business today? What would your advice be? Well, your your question there was, how has e-commerce changed? Mm-hmm. And you said you've been in e-commerce for 20-something years, and I, I have been too. And I liken it to this. Imagine the first restaurant that showed up in your city. Imagine it. Everybody was eating at home, and all of a sudden the restaurant shows up, and everybody's <laughs> like, you know what? We got to go to that restaurant. And then somebody else says, you know what we should do? We should open a restaurant. And all of a sudden, you got two restaurants. You know? And now, all of a sudden, there's, oh, should we go to this restaurant or this restaurant? Or we could eat at home. And all of a sudden, now, we've, their restaurants are ubiquitous. Ha- choosing a restaurant is a complicated task now. There are so many options. There are so many places that will serve you Mexican food or right. Chinese food or American food. Where do you go? And in my town... A restaurant that has been a staple in the area has now closed officially for thirty uh, after 30 years. E-commerce is very similar in the maturation of that market. You know, when we started selling heating and air conditioning products online, we were the guys. It, it, it was us. We did it well. We were not just a dealer who decided to go online. We treated this as a consumer-oriented business, a retailer, a wholesaler. We were amazing. We were the people you're going to come to. And then over the course of maybe five, six, seven years, more people got in the game. And so our marketing was not just, by the way, we're here. Oh, oh, great. You need a heating and air conditioning products? We're the people. It's pretty clear. Then it became a lot of options. And I think you see that now in e-commerce where if you look on TikTok or, or Instagram yep. or wherever, people are saying, hey, we're going to help you, lo- we're going to help you uh, with your e-commerce what you should do is you should have this attractive uh, uh, marketing campaign, which is going to then bring them to this Instagram where you're going to nurture them. And then you're going to, then you're going to bring them to your special club where they're going to pay a small monthly fee. (laughs) And then on top of that, they're going to do this other thing. It's a whole, it's a lot more complicated. Sure. It is a cacophony of sound. Uh, It's like the symphony warming up. It's not yet. It's not yet clear. It's just everybody's playing their, playing their instruments, and that's what we've got right now. We've got a lot of noise. We've got a lot of people. The barriers to entry are very low. There's a lot of people who can look good and deliver poorly because it's easy to look good. Uh, and yet, 
over the long haul, there's a lot more substance that's maybe required to to uh, to make a lasting a lasting organization. So I would just simply say it's the natural maturation of the market. It's a lot more noisy. It's a lot more complicated to do business. Uh, it's not a get rich quick scheme. If if people are thinking you should you should start doing drop shipping, it's like yeah, you and everybody else, and it's not that simple. <laughs> but okay, absolutely, I agree with you. I mean, that's very interesting because it really stumped me yesterday. You know, in terms of giving advice, because it's just like, oh my god, where do I even start? Right? I mean, there's a million people selling baby products, right? So you know, uh, if you're lucky enough to have let's say a TikTok video go viral and have two million views, well, great, you'll make some money because it's math. But uh, you know. How, how do you now go from this noisy environment to, uh, I suppose, a simplified environment? I think, you know, simplicity is king, especially now with all this noise going on, right? So what do you think, and I'm thinking out loud, what do you think is a way to simplify e-commerce these, way, these days? You know, is it uh, uh, your brand and, you know, uh, going into brand integrity? Or what would you say the, simplif- the simplifier would be, you know, because you have to... In my opinion, I think you have to simplify now. You can't make it more complicated. People are just going to lose interest, right? Uh, and, and I would one, I, I guess my question is, what, what is there to simplify? So I had a conversation with the other day with a guy who's, who's uh, he, he wants to scale out a business. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has a pizza shop, successful pizza shop, uh, but also works a full-time job in tech. And he's got an idea around pizza shops and customer service. Okay. He is not the first person to have that idea. I advised a company three or four years ago who had a very similar concept. And his question to me was, uh, I would like to, should I go get money? Should I, should I go get money to, to raise capital to scale out this business? I can do this in a, uh, in a manual fashion, or I could raise money and do it in an automated fashion. And I looked at his LinkedIn profile, and we talked for about an hour and a half. And I said, I noticed that you have uh, a, a, a child on your, on your shoulders, and you're like running through a park. That's your, that's your background on your LinkedIn profile. And I said, so I want to encourage you that if you would like to keep that child on your shoulders and keep your several other children and wife happy at home, you might want to consider what kind of life that you want to have. Because if you launch into this great world of venture capital, you now have other people that you are responsible for, and they want a return on their money. Your life's going to become more complicated. You might be able to grow that business wildly, but just know that your life will be more complicated. And you have to make sure that everybody else who you are currently responsible for and want to keep along the journey are willing to sign up for that complication as well. I think this idea of simplification is about principles. It is how do we build the foundation for our work and our life, really? How does then that express itself in our work, which then the... The and the, and then on top of that, it's it's how do we change with the times? So a a, a principled business where we're always going to take care of the customer. It really doesn't matter whether customers online or offline or on TikTok or Facebook. We're just going to take care of the customer at the end of the day. That's maybe a principle, right? Right. Uh, if our principle is we're just going to grow madly and we're going to get a bunch of cash in, well, I don't know what to tell you. That's that 
that doesn't really have any firm foundation on it long term. There's right. no, there's nothing throughout history would say that says that that's a goal to chase. Right. So I think simplification. Life is complicated. Simplification comes from developing principles for life, and then, and then, ensuring that everything else conforms to those principles, whether Absolutely. that's your business or your relationships. I like that. That's very true. I mean, for me, uh, uh, the one word that sticks out, and when you're talking, is authenticity, and being authentic to yourself as a priority, and you know, not jeopardizing your life for principles that are, you know, could be good for somebody else, but for yourself, you, you, may, you may not jive with it. And sometimes that's money, sometimes that's image or whatever it is. So I think that, you know, at any time that I've advised uh, companies or brands or even people, it's, it's all about, well, you know, would you do this job for free? And, you know, man, most people just have to think about it, right? And it's, it's a good question. It doesn't mean that you have to do it for free, but th- it means... Are you authentic in what you're doing right now? Or are you lying to yourself? Are you lying to yourself because, you know, you have the family, uh, you know? And I think that long-term, it falls apart, right? So I think that even going back to the question about uh, e-commerce or e- running a company is, you know, I think that we have to be honest with ourselves and be authentic in whatever we do, even if it means we're going to make less money. But I think it'll last longer and you'll be far happier, right? So uh, that's... It's, it's a very good point. I think, uh, yeah, that's uh, something to ponder, I suppose, right? Talking about happiness, <laughs> uh, segmenting over into, uh, you know, uh, getting, you know, you get into your, you know, f- fifth exit or whatever. I had a few myself. And eventually you realize that, you know, it's not a- all about the money, right? What, um, what kind of insights have you gotten uh, after you achieved certain things and, you know, added zeros to your bank account and, uh, you know, and kind of had that question of, now what? <laughs> <laughs> well, the now what is a dangerous place to be, I, I think. Uh, my now what after my first, you know, exit, let's say, was short-lived because I got anxious about, like, I got to go create, I got to go do, I need more. Because I think the, the now what is a... For a person who's a natural creator, a person who's an entrepreneur, who personally wants to solve problems, when we're where we are not solving a problem, when we're just sitting at home taking care of the house, yep. playing video games, we create traveling problems. with the family, <laughs> right? We tend to create problems because we are creating something that. And and how many times have I done that? I can I so many times I've created yep. something that nobody wanted, uh, because I just wanted to do it, and that. It's led to a lot of experiences, but it's led to a lot of heartache as well because, man, I spent a ton of cash on that. I broke some relationships doing that because yep. I was just like, I got to go, I got to go, I got to go, I got to create, I got to do. And I think so. The, I think the now what really a lesson to learn is to simply pause for a bit and ask the question of other people, what do you think I should be doing now? Because everybody's talking about, you know, you should find your own inner truth, and that's neat. I, I totally get it. I understand where that's coming from. However, when you sell a business for millions of dollars, do you go then talk? Like, who do you talk to? Do you talk to your friends? And you're like, hey, let's go out for dinner. We're just sold a bunch. <laughs> yeah. We sold the business, right? Yeah. Or do you go talk to other people who have done, who've traveled the same path? And, you ha- and sometimes it's hard to find those people and seek them out and ask sure. for their advice. Yeah. And so I think that the, I, I, I think one thing I've learned now is to just slow the train a bit. Slow down. Everything has a way of coming together. Pause. 
because the cost of running out ahead of if 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 some days it's a fight it's a fight to to fight for your business it's a fight to fight for your relationships if someday it's a fight watch watch how far you're running out ahead of the people who are fighting with you because right. if you're too far out you're the one who's going to get killed <laughs> and that's, that's right. that i think is a good principle for people in in business if you, or or in life they're like i got to start a side hustle slow down for a moment why is it because you have cars you can't afford and a house you can't afford and a job you hate and you're starting to get frustrated with everybody around you and they're getting frustrated with you is that your issue well i got news for you adding more yep. isn't going to help you what you should be doing is asking what you shouldn't be doing what should i no longer do and begin from a place of cutting out which then leaves you open to go okay well now what and then it inv- i think it invite we have to we have to go outside of ourselves to invite new information in mm-hmm. too often we're solving problems uh that maybe they're real problems but we only see the problem that we can understand right it, which means we come up with a resolution that we can understand yep and yet if we're in a place that we've never been before there are inherently problems we don't know about with resolutions we have never experienced and so we are not the right people to go about solving them that that I think is a, a good principle to to build upon. I need to ask more questions. I need to pause a little longer, uh, and I and I think that clears. I think it clears some things up. Yeah, I agree. I'm a big proponent of taking one step back, three forward. You know, um, a lot of times, and I know in my when I, in my younger years, it's like go 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 go. You know, let's 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 just get you know, and eventually you're gonna burn out. And not only will you burn out, but the people around you're gonna burn out, right? And that is probably worse than you burning out, right? Because, like you said, relationships will fail, uh, friendships will fail, and uh, you know. So it, it is important uh, to uh, smell the flowers, you know, once in a while, right? So really good advice. I like that a lot. Well, um, to your po- to your point of burn of, pe- of the people around you burning out, that is a much bigger problem than you burning out. It's it's a, it's as if everybody is having a dinner party, right? And you're like, I hold on a minute, I need to come back. I'm I'm going to go out, and I'll be right back. <laughs> When you've burned everybody else around, you're the only one coming back to the table. That's right. That's not a dinner party. That's right. <laughs> and it's harder to find those people to go around the table again. And if so, if, if you're going from, if you're an entrepreneur going from business to business or, or, or thing to thing, creating, make sure that everybody's with you because at the end of the day, you will, you will set yourself much further back once you've burned everybody else around you. That's true. So how did you solve the problem of, you know... Many times I was, you know, traveling at 150 miles an hour and people around you, you know, they only can go to 90, you know. So how did you actually, you know, get people to or did you change people? Did you find new people? How do you get everybody on the same wavelength speed, so to speak? Right. Is there any kind of magic, uh, you know, solution to that? Magic? I. (laughs) <laughs> yes, probably. <laughs> I don't know that I do it so well, but uh, I I think one of the things is recognizing what's most important. Is it most important that everybody is on board with whatever that thing is that we're going to do as a company? Maybe that's not actually true. Maybe it's okay that there's somebody who's not on board. Uh, but one thing I've recognized about myself, and this sort of this sort of holds things back. Um, it makes me sometimes go a little bit slower 
Now, uh, I look at it this way, and this, and this is the maybe the magic part. When I'm talking to somebody, communicating about my concepts, are they getting better? Are those concepts getting better? Are they challenging me? Uh, or, or is my voice the one that's just coming through? And I'm feeling like I'm, you know, I'm the, I'm the guy, I'm the mule pulling the cart, right. right? If I ever feel that, I just immediately stop. Okay. I just stop. And it's a, and it's that, that's just sort of a, like, you just got to seek that out in yourself. Um, cause that's a leading indicator that the next month is not going to get any better. Right. It might get worse. In fact. Uh, and, and along with that, that person that I'm talking to, I, I like it this way. It's, and I don't know how to explain it other than, you know, you know, when the train's leaving the station and there's always somebody who's not on it, either that's the wrong train or it's the wrong person. Right. So be okay. Be okay with not everybody's going to be on board and that's fine. Not everybody has to be on board. And if it is really, if it's really important to you, that you're on that train, then you just have to resign yourself to that person's not going to be on the train. Absolutely. With you. I think that also speaks to, you know, the five people you hang out with type of deal, you know, you turn and it's, I mean, it's almost become a cliche word, you know, but it really, really, really resonates with uh, reality. You know, I, absolutely. Uh, you have to look at the people you hang out with, uh, includes good friends and also family. And then look at, you know, are they, am I benefiting them? Are they benefiting me? And, and, and that whole, uh, um, arrangement you know it's it's really amazing um you wrote a book called uh, what could be correct i did so tell us a little bit about that why did you write a book and why did you write a book that's has that title what could be i like it yeah what could be creating a life of meaning and purpose i wrote that book after a dark time where i had experienced a lot of success and then i was the guy out in front well in front of everybody else and I didn't know where I was going or what I was doing uh and and lost lost a lot of stuff through that lost lost close friendships and lost businesses and lost all sorts of stuff and I and I and I had to all those things I talked about were where how we express ourselves in our business is are built on principles I had to go back to go I could like what really is important here and I think that we all all are gifted a time in our life when we must ask the question, what's really important, and then rebuild all of the things on top. And, and so I, I created, I wrote this book, and, I, it, and in, in some ways I feel like uh, it wrote through me, which is sure. a great yeah. experience. Yep. But I wrote the book because I thought if, if there was something I could tell myself, if, if there was something I needed that could encapsulate a hundred, in 170 pages what what could get me through that time and 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 not only just get me through that time but put me on the other side of that time with strength and authority in my life those would be those 170 pages and that's i think what that book does in fact i i was talking to a lady in out of alaska just the other day she's in a small community in alaska and she's a teacher and she wants to get into business and relational issues and all sorts of stuff and she just wanted to you know quote pick my brain for a little bit and we got talking about all, all sorts of things and she ordered my book and she wrote me back a week later she says i'm seven pages in and i'm already thinking clearly wow and I, and 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 to me i'm like wow i i, I mean i look at I, I it was powerful for me it was i i i 
was weeping through the pages sometimes, and then I was coming out. But here's where you're going. Uh, but to to hear from somebody else, you know, seven pages, and I'm already thinking more clearly. That's huge. And I think that's I back to this idea that when we when we look at our lives and we find ourselves in a situation that we're unsure of, we only see problems that we can understand. We only see result or, or or resolutions that we can understand. But when somebody comes in from the other side and says, "Hey, wait a second, you're the problem you see is not the problem that is. Therefore, the resolution that you're chasing not the not going to resolve the root issues. Right. It's really important to your point." Surround yourself with the right people as best as you can see. And that's a gut instinct, I think. And sometimes the universe has a way of directing them right across our paths at the exact time we need it. We just have to be humble enough to accept it. And then then I think identify those principles and and move on. And that's what, what could be creating a life of meaning and purpose is all about. That's awesome. That sounds great. It's interesting how, you know, Probably when you started, you were like, well, I'm going to write a book uh, for other people and tell them how not to do certain things or do certain things. And in actuality, it's almost like a catharsis where you basically are writing it for yourself in a way, right? And getting insight into uh, everything that has happened and, you know, throwing, throwing up all the stuff and, you know, and putting it into words and into a bound cover. So that's really cool. So the, the, the one thing that stands out for me when you were speaking is the concept of loss, Right. Um, you know, uh, most people want to avoid losses because who the heck wants to lose things, you know? But then from losses comes wisdom, and from losses come new beginnings. So what would you say uh, loss is all about, you know? Is this something that is required in a way? And what are you losing? And what are you gaining? And, you know, can you actually keep people from loss, so to speak? Loss is required. No, you can't keep people from loss. And if you do, you will destroy them. And I think loss has a, has a clarification quality to it. Loss clarifies for us. It really clarifies what's important. Yeah, I, uh, I think so. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting word. You know, it's, uh, it's uh, like it's it's not a fun word, but it also resonates with me because I mean, obviously, everybody has gone through loss, right? So that's that's really interesting. Cool. Um, what is your eternal purpose? I know that uh, you talk about eternal purpose, so I'm curious to hear what uh, you know, you Jason Todd's eternal purpose is. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> do we have I'm enough deep. time? <laughs> How deep do you want to go? <laughs> well, it depends. I mean, it depends on what you talk about. But my, uh, I, I have my fun. One of my fundamental principles, my backdrop for how I choose to experience the world and live, is that we are created on purpose for a purpose. And if we knew that, if we knew that the things we did mattered. And us finding like that, that inner heartbeat to seek out something that's, man, I think I'm meant for more than this. If we knew that it was really vitally important that we did that, we would get up with a spring in our steps. We would treat people around us differently. Sometimes we would slow down because we'd realize, wait a second, you know what? I'm not the linchpin holding this thing together. And if I don't get on to, to this thing today, you know what? That's fine. It will be okay. Or if I tried my best and everything crumbled around me. That's no, okay, 
it is what it is and we'd accept it and we'd move through it or move on. Right. So I do believe we're created uh, on purpose for a purpose. And that gives us certain responsibilities and authority to go about affecting our world in positive ways. And I think those were the, the responsibilities authority are to name a future reality that we do not have and then go about creating that reality and then also destroying things that no longer serve us. Back to your idea of loss. Even taking away things that we that we don't like about ourselves involves loss. It involves mourning. That thing was there for a time, for a season, for a purpose, for us. And we're like, I don't need that anymore. We still got to get rid of it. It's the old trinkets in, in my house that my mom dropped off she's like here these things were in a box for you and i'm like no because now i got to look at this thing from 20 years ago and i'm like i don't want to get rid of that that's right i don't need it it involves a little bit of loss is it a meaningful loss no not really but it still involves loss but it doesn't it really does it, it that doesn't need to join me on the next journey on the next part of the journey so we we need to name a future reality we can go about creating it and we can go about destroying things either out of maliciousness or stupidity or because they no longer serve us right. those are the those are the uh responsibilities that we as humans have and that might express itself through starting a business it might express itself through just through just being a good person in our neighborhood but it, I think it, it elevates us. Um, and uh, if you can't have joy knowing that you've got a great responsibility and the universe responds to your will, uh, I, I don't know what you're doing. So go, go figure it out. Absolutely. Well, I absolutely agree. That's awesome. I mean, uh, lots to ponder. Um, if you were in my shoes and you would have asked yourself a question that I didn't ask, what would that be? <laughs> oh boy, that's a good question. If I if I was in your shoes and I would ask a question, uh, you talked about loss, and you talked about it for uh, forty five seconds, a minute. Loss is a big loss is a big word. What's on your mind when you the think question about loss? Is, the, the, I'll answer that, but yeah. the question is directed at you. <laughs> is there okay. a question that yeah. I didn't ask you that you would have asked yourself? Yeah, I would. I would have delved into loss a little bit more and said, "Okay, talk to me. Talk to me about loss." Okay, and then leave it wide open. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what? Again, I, I, I think. So what is loss? Again, what, what is it that you lost? And I don't mean materially. What you know? Is it the ego? Is it uh, what? What is the one thing that you feel that you lost that benefited you? The one thing that I lost that benefited me was I like what you, I like what you talk about with ego, but I think ego is an important quality to have. Uh, ego is not necessarily a bad thing. An ego out of control is, but isn't everything out of control a bad thing? So uh, a unnecessary pride. I think it's important to take pride in in oneself, but. When it goes beyond, and that, and then, uh, I guess think of it this way: I sold my first business, wildly successful, and then I thought I should start another business. So I started another business. It, I, I, at one point in time, I started a gym, 
Okay. And I co-founded it because I didn't want to be, I wanted to be a silent partner in this thing. I knew shit about running gyms. And I wasn't an avid guy. I like, I didn't, I didn't want to run a gym, but I wanted to help this guy who wanted to run a gym. I had the exact same story, believe it or not. And, and you know what? He wasn't good at running gyms either. (laughs) And so, so then I ended up with a gym that I didn't want to run. Okay. So I was wildly successful in e-commerce. Has that, the, that doesn't make me wildly successful at running every other type of business. That's right. That was hubris, pride out of control. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do it maliciously. I did it for good meaning, good purposes. But I was not. I was not really taking the time to pause and go, "Wait a second. What do I want out of? The, what is my life going to look like five years from now? What happens if this thing doesn't work? What happens? You know, just take a moment. Ask another person who ran a damn gym and go, "Should this? Should I get into gyms?" And they would have said, "No, probably not." <laughs> Amazing. I, I have a parallel story. The same thing happened to me. Absolutely. Except I didn't have, I had, I had no interest in it. And so it fell apart. But uh, yeah, interesting that we have that parallel. Well, that's awesome. Um, I think uh, that was a really nice talk. I think that uh, hopefully we'll get to, to have another chat in, 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 the, in the future. I really appreciate you being on the podcast and uh, hope to see you soon. Thanks for having me.